Hello and welcome to This Shit Really Happened, the true crime podcast where we deep dive into the most disturbing, depraved, and downright gruesome true crimes in history. My name is M, And I'm Autumn. And we are your hosts. (laughs) I feel like I gotta do something to switch it up every time. I know. I wish we had video because I'm like my back and forth arms. And when we do the intro, we're like... And I'm doing my best to look everywhere except for like right at Autumn. She's gonna start laughing and I'm gonna start laughing. And that's literally what happened when we tried to do the first take of this. What I do... I did a little cough and just could not take it. Drax. Drax. <laughs> Somebody that we're not, we're not on drugs. No. <laughs> Definitely not her cat, maybe. Yeah, Birdie discovered something in... No, they're both at the bag. Dude, there's something in there. There's something in that bag. I don't know what it is, Maybe but... Carter just woke up because, like, he's like, bitch, you're here. I don't know. Yeah, he did. He was, na- he was napping on the recliner, so he definitely did just wake up. I saw him stretch his little hog body on the recliner and Aww. come over. Oh no, not the hog. He hog body. Oh no. He very rotund. <laughs> He's round. <laughs> He's looking at me like, huh? He he is very round and has uh, very few brain cells. But we've been over this. We've been uh, over him and this. Are bonding? They um, smooched. Did they really? Are mm-hmm. they are they being friends? They are. They're definitely on drugs because she fucking hates him. Yeah, they just smooched. <laughs> oh, how cute. Um, I'm I've come to the conclusion that um Carter and Ralph are not brothers. They are gay lovers. Oh, yeah. They'd but be they like making out sometimes. They're having a lovers quarrel. Oh, okay. They will literally like what they've been doing lately. Like a lot is like like mutually at the same time like licking each other's faces and like each other's mouths i'm like okay so you got you're making out okay like you guys are making out so you guys are weird yeah so um (laughs) i have gay cats you're like (laughs) you're not your brothers (laughs) (laughs) like we share no we share no genetics we share no parentage clearly yeah because we don't promote incest here. Not even incest not, by proxy. Incest? No, seriously. <laughs> There's a word for that. It's called pseudo incest. Like here if you're she like, goes again. I think maybe just birds on drugs. Bird? Maybe she is. She's, she's following him around. She's, like, what's she doing? She's probably trying to fucking square up because she's rude. Yeah. What are they doing? See what, what the hell? I'm waiting for her There's to turn. There's something going on in that I'm bag. waiting for her to, I know, we we need to look in that bag after this. Go nope, get it now. Enough. Look in the bag. If there's, like, a whole thing of catnip in there or something, I swear to God, what is in that bag? We got some bath, body work spray. Nice. A toothbrush? <laughs> a toothbrush? A toothbrush and some old spice deodorant. That's all that's in that bag? Yeah. And that's what they were fucking tweaking over? Yeah. Is there cat drugs in old spice? <laughs> It's a new conspiracy theory. <laughs> There's cat drugs and Old Spice. Old Spice said, we're gonna fuck up your cats. We're gonna fuck up your cats. No, seriously, what the hell? They're acting very, very weird, dude. Well, Pure sport. Anyways, Ow. well, that mystery was solved. Don't know why the cats are acting the way they're acting. I would have rather it have been drugs I, honestly i thought maybe he like left like his weed pen or something in there and the cats were like legitimately like just like smelling the weed but no it was just fucking some bath and body works perfume a toothbrush and some old spice deodorant <laughs> not what i expected she said mm, old spice <laughs> something spicy <laughs> she goes why is it spicy <laughs> Not that. Oh my god. Jesus Christ. Oh man. It's late. We're recording late again. This is. This is. 
doesn't get any fucking sleep lately because of yeah autumn once again is just going through some shit <laughs> it never ends <laughs> it's like every week is like what is the new installment of autumn's hey, going through shit at least i keep it spicy yeah right? i have no <laughs> lack of entertainment in my life from your life <laughs> literally i'm that friend where every time i text emily and she sees a notification from me I'm it like, could be yes hectic or it could be a TikTok. Right. <laughs> no, legitimately. I'm like, I'm like, all right, what are we getting? Am I getting a mental breakdown or am I getting funny TikTok? <laughs> <laughs> or am I getting some bullshit is happening? <laughs> Seriously. Or is it about work? <laughs> or, right. Or is it about work? Very oh, rarely man. am I like... Because if I'm like, bitch, what are you doing? I usually just call you. Yeah, honestly. Text messages are for the bullshit. But then, honestly, sometimes, though, I do get a little traumatized when a phone call comes in from <laughs> you. Especially if it's, like, kind of late. I'm like, oh, my gosh, shit. We're like, we mutually traumatized. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll be untraumatized sometimes. Eventually. Well, speaking of traumatizing things, um, oh, great. case we have today, so I didn't tell you anything about this one. I picked this one, though, because I'm kind of trying to go with, like... Why a, is this sticky? Why is what sticky? This is sticky. The nail thing? Mm. I told you I think it's because some of, like, my gel things are oh. are leaking in there, so it's just, like, nail gel. It's, it's kind of questionable. It's just, it's just nail gel. Anyways, as I was saying... <laughs> um, <laughs> The case I have, I picked it because the first incident without any spoilers happens on New Year's Eve. So I thought, hmm, fitting. Because this is not dropping on New Year's Eve, but if you're listening to this on the day it drops, it's Friday. The and day it'll before. Be New Year's Eve Eve. New Year's Eve Eve. The Eve of the Eve, if yes. you will. Yes. So. Wait, can I see how long your notes Um, they're not too crazy. I think, you know, the longest thing. It's like average. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. It's 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 definitely average. It's mm-hmm. probably going to be another. I mean, we average about an hour fifteen on these episodes as yeah. is. Um, the only thing that might extend this one a little bit is I do have audio clips because that's a huge thing about this case is we um, love audio clips. Is uh phone calls that as this... long as it's not a fucking audio clip of that somebody reading that letter. Oh my god, dude, Albert <laughs> still traumatized by Albert Fish and his Ugh. fucking letters. Dude, that was that was fucking gnarly. I now you know I'm like I don't want to read this out loud. Like, Give it to me. I'm like I'm warning you. So I'm here for the experience. It's not. We're all just we're all just here for the vibes. We're all just here for a little laugh. We're just here. We're just here to have a good time. Shits and giggles. <laughs> pun pun, pun intended. intended. Pun fully intended. Yeah. So um, thankfully this case has no um. No piss drinking, no shit eating, no child murder. Thankfully, thankfully. God, I already ate my food. Right? Oh my god, that's not. I don't know. That's not what I thought you were gonna say. No. I just traumatized myself. <laughs> now you're traumatized again. Now I'm traumatized again. I was like, please tell me these words are not about to come out of your mouth. You're um, like, no, not this too. Please, God, no. You're like, autumn thirty traumatizing me enough. <laughs> Um, the case that I have for you today is the case of the weepy voiced killer. So he sounds sad? Yeah. So the biggest thing like about- Eeyore? No, like, he's, like, crying. Oh. Yeah. So- Okay. As you'll find, and as we'll listen to, on um, his- 
His signature, his calling card, really, is that after he murders or attacks somebody, he cries. He calls the police and cries, and he cries about it. He cries on the phone. Yes, he he tells on himself. Yes, okay, in like a sad, weepy, crying little bitch boy voice. So, like, what the fuck? Yeah. Well, (laughs) we'll get into that. One of the one of the questions on this is like, was he actually remorseful? Mm Or was he making these phone calls to police as, like, a way to brag about what he did? So, you know, we'll leave that off to you. You said, fuck the mic. <laughs> Carter has once again hopped up on Autumn's lap, like, what is new? He just wants some love and affection and Ooh, attention. we are feeling... Is he toasty? Less, we are feeling less solid? Are you less? losing weight? I don't think that's possible for are them. Are you losing? Because you feel more... Squishy. You feel more. Maybe he's just slowly becoming less dense. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Not so much skinny, but more just softer. Yes. Less dense. Yes. Maybe he's starting to shed out some of his winter coat. Maybe that made him a little more dense. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how those things work. All right. Anyway. <laughs> As he buries his fucking head into my. I know. That's just how he shows love. Listen, Carter. You said fuck the mic. Because you like, moved it. I know. He jumped his fat little hog body right up onto your lap, and he said, you're going to love me. And now this is just what, this is what we you. pat the belly. Pat the belly. Ooh. Pat the belly. Ooh. Ooh, He's yeah. going to throw his entire body, like, into the table, and it's not going to be good. <laughs> All right. Well, while you're entertaining him, I'm going to go ahead, and I'm going to get into this case. So I'm just going to jump straight in. I'm starting with the first victim that we have. So... We are jumping back to New Year's Eve, 1980. So this is 1980 going into 1981. Um, early in this morning on New Year's Eve, a 20-year-old Karen Potak was making her way home from a party that she'd been attending in St. Paul, Minnesota. She was at this party with her sisters, I believe like two of her sisters and one of her friends. And she had actually left the party right around midnight. And when she left, she was, you know, it's New Year's Eve. She's partying. She's pretty intoxicated. Mm -hmm. So much so that she left the party, like, without her coat. Oh, shit. And this is Minnesota, mind you. So it's on Halloween when I left without my shoes. (laughs) I know. Legitimately. (laughs) (laughs) I said, fuck the Crocs. Fuck the Crocs. Fuck everything else. Took my mask and shit with you. No, I should. I know. And I left my shoes here. I know. Yeah, so she she leaves the party without her coat, and she's actually like eyewitnesses saw her like walking around with a like still carrying a glass of champagne in her hand, mm-hmm. which like vibes. Yeah, she's like I'm leaving this party, it's but I'm not leaving my drink. Rihanna, it's giving Rihanna. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's like I'm leaving the party, but I'm not leaving my drink because I'm not done. <laughs> Facts. So again, like I said, eyewitnesses who saw Karen did see her walking and leaving the party, you know, without her coat and with a glass of champagne in her hand. They also later recalled that she had been, like, she's pretty intoxicated very clearly, so she's stumbling down the street. And as she's stumbling down the street, um, a car pulls up beside her. She kind of pauses. She seems to speak to the driver of this car for a few moments. And then she, uh, she gets into the car with whoever it was that was driving and pulled up next to her. So <clears throat> after this, police, around 3 a.m. that morning... They get a call from a seemingly distraught man directing them to a spot near the Malberg Manufacturing Company. It's like a machine shop. It was off Pierce Butler Road um, because there was, quote, a girl hurt there. And this caller seems to be, like I said, very distraught. Mm -hmm. He's speaking in that tearful, weepy voice. Mm -hmm. So after they get this call, police are immediately dispatched to that location. 
when they arrive, they find Karen Potak. She was completely naked, lying in a snowbank, and just covered in blood. Karen's injuries were, like, immediate, even through all the blood, immediately obvious. And not only obvious, but incredibly severe. She had been beaten over the head and neck ten times. Jesus. With what they later found to be a tire iron. Oh, my God. Like, her beating to her skull had been so severe that, like, her skull was, I say fractured, but it was, like, shattered, really, and a part of her brain was exposed. Oh, my God. So her skull was cracked the fuck open. Her shirt had also been torn from her body so violently that some of the buttons from it were found 50 to 60 feet away from where she was laying. Jesus. So, yeah, you can just tell that, like, the level of rage and violence in this attack was enormous. So, Karen was immediately taken and rushed to the hospital, and miraculously, she survived. Holy shit. Yeah. Like, bad bitch energy. That is bad bitchery. Yup. Seriously. So, fortunately and miraculously, she survived, but unfortunately and understandably so, the beating she sustained was so bad that she had significant brain trauma. Yeah. And because of this brain trauma, she had severe amnesia. Mm -hmm. She couldn't recall any details of her attack and nothing about the person that's who so had sad. attacked her. Imagine surviving that and you can't say who it was. Yeah, right? It's because kind you of, don't remember. I know. That's, like, one thing. It's, like, one thing, you know, like, if she never saw him, but, mm-hmm. like, another thing to be, like, wow, you literally took away my... Ability to point you out. Yeah, because you beat me so fucking severely. Mm-hmm. But I also kind of feel like that's in another way, too, kind of, like, a saving grace for her because she doesn't remember mm-hmm. it. Yeah. So, like, the trauma of having to remember what happened to like her. Like, she knows she has these injuries, but doesn't right. remember how she got them. Exactly. She doesn't remember, like, lying in the snow or being found or whatever and being mm-hmm. attacked. I think she recalls just, like, leaving the party. Even if she does, I don't even know if she actually recalls leaving the party. I can't. You said what year was this? Um, This was ni- New Year's Eve 1980, so 1980 going into 1981. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, luckily, she survived. Miraculously, she survived. Um... Police were immediately trying to piece together anything they possibly could to figure out who would have done this to her. Because mm. it was so violent that they were feeling that it was personal. Because, like, you don't really always get that level of rage and violence on, like, a stranger attacking a stranger. Right. So they're immediately thinking, <laughs> this is somebody who knew her that did this to her. So they look into Karen's background to see if they could find any information on who would have wanted to hurt her. But they came up completely empty. So the only lead that they had was that phone call that they had gotten from the person who reported the crime. So this person who attacked Karen, they would kind of go, you know, underground a little bit for about six months or so. Um, And their next victim, she is discovered in June of 1981. A group of teenagers were playing in a cleared field next to a construction site that was near the freeway when they stumbled across, like, what they at first thought was, like, a dummy. Which is, I hear this so many times, like, everybody always thinks it's, like, a mannequin or a dummy, and then, like, oh, fuck, that's a body. Oh, fuck. Yeah, right? Dude, that in itself has to be, like, traumatizing. Like, I used to say, I'd be like, oh, my God, it must be, like, so exciting to, like, discover a dead body no that's fucking traumatizing like you could never go to that place Um, again speaking of finding dead bodies 
Did you hear that the the death toll for the blizzard in Buffalo, they found 40 bodies so Yeah, far. yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, for those of you listening that aren't from this area, like, Western New York, Buffalo, like, we just went through a crazy... Blizzard. They said it's worse blizzard. than the blizzard of 77. Yeah, that's what my downstairs neighbor, she was saying, she's like, I lived through the blizzard of 77, like, this is worse. Yeah. Like, that's fucking crazy. Yeah. That's bonkers. Nuts, Carter. Yeah. He's like, I don't know what you're saying. He said, I was thirsty. I, no, seriously. We were lucky. We didn't lose power or anything. I lost power for a couple hours on Friday, but other than that, I didn't. Yeah. Our direct next door neighbor, like this way, they lost power and mm. somehow we didn't. Oh. But then we were talking to Wendy. I guess we're on a different, completely different power grid than they are. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's lucky. Because <laughs> like from this way down, it was good. <laughs> from this way over, people were losing power. And I wonder if like we're like the cutoff of the power grid that the hospital is on. Because, mm-hmm. you know, obviously you're going to want to make sure the hospital has power right. so i was like maybe that's why we had power Probably, <laughs> like the yeah. house is literally directly next to us did not um, yeah it was really sad like there's this one i don't know if you saw the video on tiktok this one girl sent she's like in a group chat mm-hmm. with her family from north carolina because that's where she's was from and she um sent she was like 22 23 i think and she sent a video of her stuck in her car in the snowstorm. And she, like, opened the door and, like, showed them what it looked like. Oh, my God. And, like, that was the last video. <gasps> That's so fucking sad, Because she dude. said she was going to try to sleep. Oh, no. And then nobody like, ever. Oh, my God. Because she, like, had her car running, I yeah. guess, and the heat on. But I think it must have, like, run out of gas. Yeah, run or, like, out of something. gas. Yeah. And they found her on Christmas Day. Eve, I think. Oh my god. But didn't get her out until Christmas. That's so fucking sad. That's because so the, sad. Because it was too, like, first responders couldn't even go out in it. Right. The snow, literally, the snow was piled like four, four and a half feet tall. Buffalo got seven feet of snow. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. There we were, got four. There were plows that were getting stuck in the snow. Yeah. The plows no, were getting that's stuck. That's why they didn't, they didn't plow on Saturday because, one, it was pointless. Yeah. Two, they weren't going to make it. First responders were getting stuck. Fire trucks were getting stuck. Yeah. Like, it was absolutely mm-hmm. fucking They're, bonkers. like, finding people. They were finding people literally, like, frozen yes. in the snow. Yeah. And there's, like, it's so sad that there's, like, nothing you can do at that point. Literally nothing. Dude, that's crazy. That's so sad. You know it's bad when just, like, nobody can get out they and get to these people. a 13-year-old boy. Oh, my God. They found a 10-year-old boy. <gasps> Apparently, the 10-year-old was kidnapped. What? And found in the snow. Who the fuck? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. That's just 100 times worse. That poor kid. I know. Dude, that's fucking depressing. Yeah, I was like, because people were, like, saying, they're like, oh, my God, like, what's the death toll going to be when things finally thaw out and mm-hmm. people are actually, like, you know, being able to move these cars and finding people in their cars. Mm-hmm. Like, there my- were families, like, all dead together huddled up in their car dude that is the saddest shit i've ever fucking heard that's shitty that's fucking bonkers i feel like like being from like this area like the greater buffalo area like i feel like people here also they told you not to drive in that yeah there was a travel ban Mm -hmm. not an advisory not a a warning like literally you're not driving they were finding people outside saw the weather conditions and were like "Hmm, i'm gonna try it yeah, that I, that I really don't understand. Mm-hmm. I, like, I know there are some people who are getting stranded because, like, they were out prior and, like, they mm-hmm. thought they could make it back, but they couldn't because those whiteout conditions. Yeah. 
there are people like getting stuck because like the whiteout, like they like crashed their car, they got stuck in a snowbank because they couldn't fucking see and they couldn't get there's out of the a, snowbank. There's are you know on your way to Geico? Yeah. The entrance to the thruway right there. Uh-huh. There's a Wrangler in the ditch. Is there really? Mm-hmm. They haven't gotten it out yet? The snow is like all the way up to the wheels. Oh shit. The yeah, they're gonna have to, to wait for that to melt out before they can get that. Mm-hmm. There's nobody inside it, is there? <laughs> I hope not. Oh, God. That would be wild. Yeah, I would so... imagine no, because everything's all plowed. I'm sure they checked it yeah, out. Yeah, they probably, they definitely looked at it by mm. now. They just can't get the car out. Yeah. Oh, my God. So, yeah, back to, back to the case. This group of teenagers, they were, again, playing in that cleared field when they stumbled across the body. Um, They weren't able to identify her right away, but they did come to find out this was the body of 18-year-old Kimberly Compton. Her body was face down in the grass. She was dressed in a red varsity bomber jacket, a white tank top with a tiger on it, and denim shorts. She had over 60 stab wounds on her body across her chest, her stomach, and her inner thighs. Oh, so she was dead. Oh, uh, yeah, she was not a survivor. There was a couple survivors, I think, of this, but, uh, or like one or two. Maybe actually was there only one. Yeah, so I don't just know. the first one. Yeah, just the first one. There's only there's only one survivor actually. Oh no, there is two. Never mind, there's two. Okay. Um, so we will have a survivor to talk about at the end because that's how this dumbass gets himself caught. Spoiler alert. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, she she unfortunately is is not one of their survivors. When her autopsy was performed, the medical examiner came to the conclusion that the wounds on Kimberly's body had been made with an ice pick. Oh shit. Yeah. So, whoever did this just went absolutely fucking ape shit on this poor girl with an ice pick. That, like, ice picks, there's something so brutal about, like, somebody killing somebody with either an ice pick or a screwdriver. Yeah, it's just... Like, those, there's just something about that that takes it to, like, a whole other level of holy shit that's fucked. Because it's one thing to stab somebody 60 times with a device that is made for stabbing and cutting. Mm -hmm. And then something else about stabbing somebody 60 plus times with something that is not made for cutting or stabbing. Like the force. You got to think about the force that you have to put. Because like even like uh, like a Phillips head screwdriver, it's not sharp. No. It's got a pointy, quote-unquote, like end. if you accidentally stab yourself with that, you're gonna be okay. Yeah, right. Like, you're not gonna cut your fucking finger off with a screwdriver. Right. But to, ugh, the force to stab that in and, like, puncture their, like, chest. Because you she's stabbing in her chest and her and stomach like and her thighs. Most, most of the ones that we've been talking about, they fucking shove an ice pick in their ears. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. What? We, yeah, because we talked about that was um There's the toolbox killers. And oh, then I thought the backpack ones, right? No, not the backpack ones. The backpacker murders. He uh, he stabbed them in the back with like a big fucking hunting knife. The one that you're probably mm-hmm. thinking of is the high five murders where they kicked a pen mm-hmm. into the guy's yeah, ear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The toolbox killers did the ice pick and then right. high five. It was a okay. pen mm-hmm. in the ear. Yeah. yeah. Stop putting things in people's fucking ears. Literally. Stop. Uh. I mean, don't murder people, but like, don't murder them by putting things in their ears. Uh. That's just... That's even... That's just adding insult to injury. No, honestly. Like, legitimately. (laughs) So, like I mentioned, at the time she was discovered, there was no identification on her body, but in her pocket was a small key. And they found that this key was to a storage locker that was at the Greyhound bus terminal in St. Paul. 
So their next step is to go straight to the bus stop and they use the key to open the locker. Do you ever think of like certain states are like... Do I ever think of certain states sometimes? <laughs> and you're like, people actually live there? Yeah, like, like people live in, you know, the state that is for me is Montana. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, are there people in the Dakotas? Yeah, like, right. Like, are there people there? Anything like Nebraska, Montana, the Dakotas. I'm Every like, now and then at work, I'll get like a... Like, that's just mountains. Like an Iowa? I'm like, what? Oh, yeah, like you live in like, fucking What do you have? Iowa? Potatoes? Idaho. <laughs> oh, that's potatoes. That's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, literally, there's a whole bread called fucking Idaho in. Yeah, that's, that's potatoes. They make some bomb-ash. What's Iowa? Corn? Corn? I don't know. I don't know what Iowa is. What the fuck for. does a Dakota have? Uh, mountains. Dirt. I don't know. Dirt. Yeah, literally. <laughs> Montana. I don't even know if Brokeback Mountain took place in Montana, but that's what I think about. I think of Montana. It's like you get to like Gay Northern Central America. It's just like, what is, what's there? What are you doing? Literally, what are you doing? What are you doing? What goes Like on? Arkansas? Who lives in an Arkansas? Arkansas. Literally. It's like the one when I mine. first saw that stay, I'm like, Arkansas? Every time I like hear somebody like see Arkansas like on a map or hear somebody say Arkansas, it just reminds me of that vine where that woman's like, she's like, I am confusion. And then she's like, why is this one Kansas? This is not Arkansas. Kansas, like, America, explain. <laughs> Literally, our <laughs> language is so fucking I know, what the fuck? I don't even know. But yeah, I think of some, like, like, Minnesota. What be going on in Minnesota? You know what I, you know what I think of when I think of Minnesota? Hmm. Is, um, Big Time Rush. Oh. Because in the show, they're from Minnesota. <laughs> and, like, who the fuck wants to live in Michigan? Bro. Fuck if I know. It's it's colder there than it is here. I know. Fuck that noise, dude. Fuck that noise. Granted, I'm like, why did why did my mother pick this city to live in? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right of all places. Why? Oh man. All right. Anyways, yeah. So off track. Please discover this key, and they immediately go down to that bus stop, and they use the key to open the locker that it goes to. Drugs. Um. In <laughs> she's fucking grilling the cactus. I don't know what she's doing. Just let her live her life. Just let her live her life. She's she's a strange lady. She's a strange lady. Anyway, she's an enigma. Leave her be. <laughs> <laughs> she's just gonna do what she needs. Now she's rubbing her face against the box. She's like, mmm, sensory things. <laughs> she's fucking tripping balls. She, she, is there acid in there? Like, <laughs> she there acid to, in did old she, spice? Did she, did she happen to get a shroom? I don't know, like, man. Dude, fuck if I know. Oh my god. Anyway, this. <laughs> so once again, they go, they go to the Greyhound bus station. They open the locker with that key, and inside they discover two bags. And inside one of those bags was Kimberly's ID. So they're able to make a positive ID off that. Off this ID, they get in contact with Kimberly's family, who tell police that Kimberly she had just graduated from high school that Aww. June, and she had literally been on that bus that day to move. To St. Paul. Oh. The same day that her body was discovered, she had just no. moved into that city. That's the worst. It's like wrong place, wrong time. Oh, uh, no, legitimately wrong place, wrong time. Like, can you imagine you like, waited a day? Right. That's crazy. That's like. Or gone a day earlier. Or a different time. Yeah. M- missed her bus. Yeah. And just anything. Was so many different like things. Two in hours the later. Right. Yeah. Got delayed or something mm-hmm. or got there earlier than expected. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's it's crazy. <laughs> so they immediately start searching by they, I mean police, immediately begin searching for clues to build a timeline of Kimberly's whereabouts during the short time she was in St. Paul before she was murdered. Um, as the investigation is going on, two days later after her body is discovered, the St. Paul Police Department gets a phone call. Great. And I'm going to go ahead and play that phone call for you guys. You find me? I just asked somebody with a nice pick. I can't stop myself. I keep killing somebody. So, yeah, that was him. <laughs> when he when it bleeps it out, it's, he's, he's saying, saying like, God damn. He, oh, okay. like, cusses. And I was going to say, they did, did he, like, say his name or something? No. Like, is that where they bleep it out? No, he says, like, God damn. Like, if you couldn't really make that out, he says, like, God damn, I just killed somebody with an ice pick. Mm-hmm. And then he says, like, why can't you stop me? Mm-hmm. Like, I I feel like he's fucking just Accountability. Right. I know, right? That's that's a good word for this. Because a lot of, like, what happens in this is he's like, please stop me. Why haven't you found me yet? It's like, why haven't you fucking turned yourself in, asshole? Literally. Take like, some fucking accountability for Seriously. This. If you are genuinely remorseful about it, like, <laughs> you're not gonna... <laughs> you're not gonna be like, why can't you stop me? Fake-ass, weepy-ass voice. I know. Fake-ass. <laughs> he should be called a fake-ass, weepy-ass voice killer. <laughs> Queen so one for thing the next I, like, I do love that they just named him the weepy-voiced killer because it sounds so fucking pathetic. Literally. And I think that we need to do that with serial killers more. Like, yeah. stop giving them cool names. Literally. Like, the Night Stalker. Like Jack the, the Ripper, Zodiac the Zodiac killer, killer the co-ed killer, mm-hmm. the fucking uh, bike path, the bike. He was on the bike, bike path, path rapist. rapist. <laughs> I was like, bike path. did he kill anybody? I can't remember. Killer? But like the like, I mean, I was gonna say BTK, but BTK named himself, so he's a bitch. Uh. <laughs> but yeah, like, stop giving people. Stop giving serial killers cool names. Chicago Ripper crew? Yeah, the fucking Chicago Ripper crew, the Yorkshire Ripper. Like, why are we giving... They should be called, like, the bitch-ass, stanky-face killer. The titty-eating The titty-eating loser holes. <laughs> the titty... What's a loser hole? <laughs> the titty-eating bitch faces. <laughs> like, guaranteed there'd be less serial killers if we started yes. giving them bitch like, names. We don't want to be that. Yeah, I know, right? Like, I don't want to do that. Anyway, so that call comes in um, two days after Kimberly's body is discovered. Police initially thought the call was a prank um, until they hear him mention a specific detail that they had not released to the media. Mm -hmm. And what that was was that Kimberly Compton had been stabbed with an ice pick. Mm -hmm. So they're like, oh, shit. Mm -hmm. Like, it's legitimately... Like, legit, yeah, mm-hmm. he is the only person who would know that she was stabbed with an ice pick because right. we have not released this to the media. Mm-hmm. So they immediately try to see if they can trace the call, but it was only, what, like, 10, 12 seconds or so? It was way too short to be tracked. Um, But then a few hours later, another call comes in, and police are like, fucking really? Another <laughs> one? So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to play this next one for you guys. I can't get drunk every time. I can't believe I think 
thing that just plays into the realm of he's not calling because he's remorseful he's calling to brag Mm -hmm. is he opens the call with don't talk just listen and then he goes imagine imagine being the first responder dude yeah the the dispatch yeah what the fuck are they called a dispatcher okay yeah because this was before 911, actually. So these mm-hmm. calls are coming in directly to the police department. Oh, okay. So, yeah, their, their like, switchboard operator mm-hmm. is getting these phone calls. Like, imagine being that person, like... Right? Seriously. And, like, the lucky thing about that, though, is that... Well, I mean, I'm sure all... I think all 911 calls is in a general thing are recorded. Mm-hmm. But the same thing was with this. Any phone call that came into the police department, they automatically recorded it. Which is why they have these records. And so we could, like, listen to them. This is really off topic. But, Bro. It, but it reminded me because I did this and I said imagine them getting a call like yeah what the fuck I saw this TikTok where the mom asked two different kids like her older child that was born in like 99 or 97 or something like that and her younger kid who was like a 20 I don't know 17 baby 2018 baby uh-huh. maybe a little sooner than that and she was like how do you make a phone call and the little girl goes like this yeah, like, like holding hold an phone. iPhone. Yeah, and like people do like a flat hand instead of like the. We've definitely talked about this before. And then she, how do you make a um, what is it? How do you take a picture? And she was holding it like this, yeah. like taking a instead selfie. of like the camera. And the older kid goes, Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I know that's so crazy. I think like that's one of like the craziest things mm-hmm. to. Like, because we go, like, oh, how you mind being on the phone? It's, like, the fist with your thumb and your, your pinky like out. Yeah. That's a phone. That's a fucking phone. But this yeah, is a phone. And this, this is, is how you hang this it up. This is how you hang it up. <laughs> <laughs> Click. <laughs> no, but that's, this is how you take a fucking picture. That I know, right? With a fucking camera, you weak bitches. <laughs> no, if, if you have not had to try to take a selfie with a fucking digital camera, you a digi- don't know. digital camera. The, or the disposable camera, yeah. too. If you have never tried to take a selfie. You have to wait for it to warm up and makes that noise. Oh, like, my God. It's <laughs> yeah, seriously. And then, like, that, like, yes. twisting the thing. <laughs> oh, my God. Listen. To vibes. Vibes. Us trying to make the fucking sounds. <laughs> Yeah, we're um we're not we're not we're not sound effects <laughs> artists. We're not voice artists. Sorry. Mm-hmm. We're we're trying our best. If any of all any of you guys I'm sorry. Apparently I'm tired. I was like, are you gonna finish your thought? Um, if any of you guys are like I was I was gonna say our age, but maybe you guys don't know how old we are. We but talked about it last episode. We are we talked because we talked about turning twenty seven this year and how are we having a crisis oh, about it. Fuck. Anyway. Or I guess next year, technically. Turning 27 in 2023, I should say. Next year's in, like, three I know. Days, so. That, yeah, that's why I said turning 2023 this year. Not 2022. This year, I mean 2023. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going forward in time. <laughs> <laughs> By Monday, it'll be then. <laughs> yeah, no, right, seriously. Oh, Ew, man. six months. Blech, disgusting. Don't anyway. talk about it. Don't talk about it. So this time, as you heard, like, that call was a lot longer than the initial one had been. So this call was long enough for it to be traced. Mm-hmm. The caller was calling from the bus depot, so that bus station phone booth. This was the same bus depot where Kimberly Compton had arrived and they found her things. So, you know, the police 
immediately hop in their squad cars. They're like, let's go. And they speed over to this bus stop. And they just get out and they like question. They're like, nobody fucking move. <laughs> and they basically they question. Put your hands up. Put your fucking hands up. They come on guns blazing. No, I don't know. <laughs> just scaring the fuck out of everybody. All in of that the lights station. are on. All the headlights. <laughs> it's like, nobody move. <laughs> <laughs> it was honestly, it was probably a lot calmer than that. Yeah. I'm sure they didn't want to tip anybody off Me, that they were there. <laughs> Nobody fucking moves. This fucking as conspicuous as we possibly can be. Get the fuck off the ground. Put your hands in the air. Put your fucking hands in the air. First person to run is getting shot. <laughs> this is why Mom and I are not cops. <laughs> Anyways, so they begin to question everyone that was at that bus station that they were able to come across and they were able to question but unfortunately it seemed like the actual caller who they know now for sure is the killer had managed to escape them they also dusted the phone booth for prints but they were unable to get anything useful obviously because there's a fuck ton of fingerprints the phone booth in a fucking public bus station exactly so what they do next is they decide to set up surveillance around the phone booth hoping that the caller would come back but nothing ever came from this. The caller probably smartened up and was like, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't use the phone booth from the place that I fucking abducted this victim. Yeah. So surveillance leads to nothing. So they go back to, again, the only clues that they have. These recordings of the phone calls. So they go back and they start, like, listening to them. And they notice something very unique right away. Which is the easily recognizable, like, high-pitched weepy voice that he uses the literal faint people. yeah dude and the fact that he's like he's like i i can't get locked up i would rather kill myself it's like then fucking do it literally then fucking do please it please do kill yourself bitch because then you will not murder any more people do yeah. the world a favor and if you're a serial killer and you have murdered people and you're like i would rather kill myself do it please don't do ever it. question if you should or not please do, do society it. a favor and kill yourself. Because you're not questioning if you should kill these people. Exactly. Why don't you kill Why don't you just kill yourself? yourself? Just turn that murderous you rage wanna, on yourself. Right. You want to kill anyway, so. Yeah. You're a fucking cancer to society, so just off yourself. Right. Just do it. Well, we'll be just kill us. yourself. If anybody takes us out of context, though. <laughs> oh, you just take a snippet of my, like, Just of kill yourself. <laughs> you're a cancer to society. Just kill yourself. Oh, shit. Oh, my God. We are specifically talking about, about serial, serial killers. killers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So, from here. Oh, uh, God. Oh. Why are we like this? <laughs> So what they what they decide to do now at this point that they're really looking into these phone calls is they decide to go through and comb through like all the other calls that they had recorded to see if they could find anything else from any other time where the same person had called it, whether it been like to, you know, call them for themselves or like call them for something else. Um, and they actually found a match, a phone call from five months earlier. The original one where yes. she survived. Yep, this was the phone call from the person who reported the attack on Karen Potak. So again, I'm going to go ahead and cue up that audio and play it for you guys. Yes, please, this is an emergency. Please send a squad to just on the road. Uh, Nuremberg Manufacturing Company machine shop. Please, there's an ambulance too. There's a girl hurt there. Yeah. 
he's like, who are you? Click. <laughs> oh, you want, want way too much information. I know, right? It's so funny because they're like, they're like, what's the address? He's like, I don't know. Who are you? Click. <laughs> too many questions. <laughs> Fuck y'all. I just wanted to tell you she was dead. Right? Well, he doesn't say she's dead. He just says there's a girl hurt there. Clearly, there's a girl hurt there. You just cracked her fucking skull open with a tire iron, you piece of shit. Literally, you stupid fuck. You dumb motherfucker. Yeah. So. Um, on Saturday, hmm? when I know this is off topic, but on <laughs> Saturday, when I'm here, when we do our gift, or sh- gift exchange, can uh-huh. I just take off the rest of my nails while I'm here? I know you're working, but like. You want to just take off the rest of your nails? Because my nail appointment isn't until next for like the Friday before we okay. leave. Okay. Yeah. I mean. I mean. I'm. I'm also recording. Well, I'm still recording. Oh. But like. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, we just got so distracted that we legitimately. I'm so sorry, guys. You're probably like this episode is a fucking nightmare. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's fine because my brain has been. L- I was ordering a drink at Starbucks and I forgot my order <laughs> mid order. <laughs> <laughs> can I get a... I said, can I get a Trenta... I just <laughs> like looked a, at her. A Trenta what, bitch? I just a Trenta what, bitch? And you're like, I don't know. I forgot, honestly. I forgot. I, I forgot mid-order. I, I don't know. <laughs> Literally forgot we were um, <laughs> in the middle of recording. <laughs> but as you're saying, so that is the 911 call that came in the night of the attack on Karen Potak. Um, so this call and the additional calls were sent over to the University of Michigan for voice recognition analysis. Um, and as this was happening, as they were having those calls investigated, another call comes in to the St. Paul Police Department on June 11th. So I'm going to go ahead and play this one for Wait, you guys. Wait, isn't that one the girl got, um, kidnapped from the thing? Um. Is that not the one that we already listened to? No. Do not believe so. Because you said that the second girl got, she died in June, right? Yeah. So this is a different one? This is a different one. Yes, I believe so because he says he names Kimberly Compton by name Mm -hmm. in this one. Like, I'll still play the call, but the beginning of the call starts, don't talk, just listen. I'm sorry for what I did to Compton. I couldn't help it. Oh. So this is post- Kimberly Compton, okay. but probably still, you know, very close mm-hmm. to the time because, yeah, this June of 1981, it was probably obviously early June of 1981. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll go ahead and I'll play this next call clip that came mm-hmm. in on June 11th. Don't talk, just listen. I'm sorry what I did to Compton. I couldn't help it. Don't know why I ever did I'm so upset about it. I keep getting drunk every day and I can't believe I think it's a big dream. I can't think of being locked up. If I get locked up, I'll kill myself. You know what? I feel like we already listened to this one. That's definitely the one we listened to. Well... I'm fucked up. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> there there are more, you know what, I think I double put this one in, but there is another call that does come in in regard to, spoiler, another victim he has. So, you know, just just forget the last, like, however many seconds just happened. But Whatever, this one's already all over the place, y'all should just expect hey, it. Yeah, point. honestly, it's late, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so it is now at this point that the police dub the killer as the Weeper. 
is what they call him. After hitting a dead end in their investigation, police go ahead and actually release these call clips, like a couple clips of the calls to the media. And they do this in the hope that somebody is going to recognize the caller's voice and come forward with information. They had over 150 people call in with tips, but none of the tips led to the identification of this person that they were calling the weeper. Two months after the audio of the calls were released to the media, police were called to the scene of a domestic dispute in East St. Paul. It was here that they found a man named Alan Lopez, who was holding his parents and his sister hostage in their home. Great. When police established a phone line to contact Lopez, he made a surprising confession. He tells the hostage negotiators that he was the so-called weepy-voiced killer that had attacked Karen Potak and murdered Kimberly Compton. So when police eventually storm the house, they find Lopez inside the house and they also find Lopez's mother, father, and sister dead. Oh, shit. Um, Alan Lopez was subsequently arrested, of course, mm -hmm. as <laughs> he should have been. Um, while he was in custody, Lopez continued to confess his involvement in Kimberly Compton's murder. They found that Alan Lopez had a significant history of violence as well as mental illness. They also looked into Lopez's whereabouts on the day of Kimberly's murder, but came up empty handed. They then turned back to the best clues that they had, which were those call recordings. Mm -hmm. um, when comparing Lopez's voice on the calls he had with police during the host hostage, 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 mm -hmm. fucking A, where did that accent come from? <laughs> I was, like, listening to another podcast, and, it, like, the same thing happened to one of the hosts there. She, like, just had, like, a random accent come through, and she says that, like, her body is just inhabited by spirits, and sometimes they come through, and, like, that's why she, like, says words that way sometimes, and she's like, that's just one of my spirits coming through. That's fine. <laughs> hostage. Hostage. During the hostage standoff, and they compared these um, to the recordings that they had of the Weeper, and it was noted that the voices did not match. Six months later, before police could definitively determine if Lopez was the weeper, Lopez took his own life while he was in police custody. Since no calls had come in since Lopez was in custody and no other phone calls, like there was no victims, there's no phone calls, nothing, um, police started to believe that they had the that guy. Yeah, maybe he was just, you know, they thought maybe he was just putting on a voice in these, like, weeper phone calls. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's not the specific voice he was using when we were on the phone. Like, the hostage negotiators were on the phone with him. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, they, they really begin to believe that Lopez had been telling the truth. Um, however, that changes on August 6th, 1982, when another woman is found dead along the banks of the Mississippi River in Minneapolis. And this woman was... Barbara Simons. So Simons's body was discovered by a uh, paper boy who was just doing his daily rounds. He saw glasses on the ground and upon further investigation, he found again what he thought was a mannequin or a dummy. Um, however, when he like reached out, which why the fuck would you reach out and touch it with your bare hand? Uh -huh. But he reaches out and he like touches the foot of it. And this is when he realizes it is not a mannequin. It's a person. It is a dead human body. Yeah. So he immediately calls the police, and when police arrive on scene, it was quickly determined that the victim had been beaten over the head and face and stabbed multiple times. These stab wounds were circular, again, like they had been made with a screwdriver or an ice pick. 
There was no ID on her body, and her autopsy, unfortunately, provided no additional evidence. And it was from here that police, they kind of start to develop some theories about Barbara's killer. Because at this point, they're not making any connections to Barbara and to, like, Karen and to um, Kimberly at this point. But they can tell from the crime scene, there's blood in one location where clearly the actual, like, assault had taken place. And then there's drag marks Mm. showing that the killer had murdered his victim and then dragged her body to where her body was subsequently found. Mm. And to police, this indicated that the killer must have done this before. Because if the killer, you know, you think if this is the first time they're doing something, it's going to be very frantic, you know, get in, do the deed, get the fuck out and leave. They're not going to take the time. Exactly. It's going to stay right there. So for this killer to have taken the time to move her body and like try to hide it essentially they theorize that this was not his first time doing this um now two days after the discovery of barbara simons's body the police get another phone call and it is our weepy voiced killer again confessing to barbara's murder so i'm gonna go ahead and cue up the right audio file for you guys (laughs) this time and play this one for you Fire emergency. Please don't talk this lesson. I'm sorry, I killed that girl. I stabbed her 40 times. Kimberly Compton was the first one. Oh, my first one. Oh, I don't know what you're about to be. I'm sick. I'm going to kill myself. I'm sick. Honestly, (laughs) like you literally can barely understand what he's saying. So I'll try to like, I'll try to like transcribe this for you guys a little bit. So the first thing he says is, please don't talk. Just listen. I'm sorry I killed that girl. I stabbed her 40 times. Kimberly Compton was the first one over in St. Paul. I don't know what's the matter with me. I'm sick. I'm going to kill myself. I think I'm just going to. And then he continues on saying, if somebody dies with a red shirt on, it's me. I've killed more people. I'll never make it to heaven. Um, and then basically, you know, the, uh, <laughs> the operator, she just goes, calm down. <laughs> like, she's just like, bro, calm the fuck down. <laughs> Literally. But yeah, it's... um. An interesting fact that I haven't really mentioned before this point, and I wanted to point it out, he says if somebody dies with a red shirt on, it's me. Mm-hmm. Um, all of his victims were wearing red. Oh, when he attacked them, favorite color? Maybe I don't really know if they if they ever like get into why mm-hmm. red, but yeah, all of his victims were in red when mm-hmm. they were attacked. So this phone call obviously confirms that Alan Lopez is not the weepy voice killer. Mm-hmm. So the St. Paul Police Department is like, shit, what do we do? <laughs> shit. Shit. So they bring in the FBI because they really want to get a profile now, a full profile of this killer. And now they know that um, this one, Barbara Simons, is connected to Kimberly Compton because he named he names mm-hmm. Kimberly by name in this phone call. Mm-hmm. He says Kimberly Compton was the first. Mm-hmm. Um, now they know that these two are connected. So like, mm, we got a serial killer on our hands. <laughs> so the FBI considered the phone calls to be the killer reverting to what they said was like an emotional um, 
juvenile state, pretty much like crying out like a child. Yeah. Um, he was playing what they called a cat and mouse game instead of calling due to actual feelings of remorse. Mm-hmm. So he likes to play that game of, oh, like, he's basically, like, yeah, you know, probably, yeah. sticking his thumbs in his ears and waggling his fingers and, mm-hmm. you know, blowing rice and like, na-na-na-na, you, you can't get me. me. Yeah, literally mm-hmm. one of those things. So while local police were canvassing the neighborhoods to see if anybody could identify the weepy voice on the audio, um, a crucial piece of evidence was found by a postal worker in a mailbox near the Greyhound bus terminal again. It was a purse, and in this purse was an ID for Barbara Virginia Simons. She was a 40-year-old nurse who had been at the time living in South Minneapolis. So this is how they identify that body that was discovered. This is how they figure out it's Barbara Simons. Um, on the night she was murdered, Barbara was last seen at the Hexagon Bar in southeastern Minneapolis. She was described as being very caring and very laid back, and she was someone who knew everybody else in her neighborhood and people just, like, really loved her. She's just, like, you know, that one, like, person that everybody knows and, like, gets along with everybody. Like, that was Barbara. Um, one of the bartenders and one of the waitresses at the Hexagon had observed Barbara at the bar with a white man whom she had been speaking with for some time. And the bartender later recalled how Barbara had kind of turned to her and made a comment um, about hoping that the man was okay because she was going to ask him to give her a ride home. So it's basically like, she's like, mm, I hope he's not a creep. Mm-hmm. And he was unfortunately, a creep. he was a creep. More than just a creep. Gave the ick. Gave big ol' ick. Yeah. Big ol' ick on that mm-hmm. one. Um, there was also another patron at the bar who had given a statement to police about the man that Barbara had been speaking with. He described this man as being in his early 40s. White, somewhat muscular, about six feet tall, and with a mustache. Now that they had a description of the potential killer, police began to look into people in the area who had histories of violent behavior, using the description to narrow down the pool of possible suspects. So from this pool of suspects, a photo lineup of eight mugshots was compiled and taken over to the staff at the bar. The staff were able to identify the man they had seen at the bar with Barbara, and this man was named Paul Michael Stefani. So, who the fuck is Paul Stefani? So, he was born, Paul Michael Stefani, on September 8th, 1944, in Austin, Minnesota. Stefani was the youngest of ten children. Too many fucking kids. It's always the ones with the fucking million kids. I know, honestly. And one of them motherfuckers is a serial killer. It kind of makes sense because his Karens are or his Karens. (laughs) His Karens are Karens. His Karens are Catholic. His parents (laughs) are Catholic. And they're like devout Catholics, which is really strange because his parents actually divorced when he was very young. And his mother remarried when Stefani was three years old. Which is odd, because usually in, like, Catholicism, you're with that person until you fucking die, regardless if it's a shit marriage or not. Yeah. And they don't believe in birth control, hence the Hence the ten children. Yep. So, understandably so, being that his parents and his now mother and his stepfather were very religious, his upbringing was heavily religious. Mm -hmm. His mother was a devout Catholic. Um, His father was as well. And his father was also reported to have been very physically abusive to... Mm. Um, Paul and to the other children in the home as well. So in the mid nineteen sixties, um, see, this is also why I like the ones where there's multiple kids who experience the same thing, and only one, of and them. only one turns out to be a serial this killer. This is yeah. where you can do nature versus nurture. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Because you all experienced the th- same thing. But only one of you became a serial killer. So all of these, it's all about how you take shit. It is. Yeah. No, it really is. Like, because all of that trauma, it piles up and it compiles and it compiles and it compiles, mm-hmm. which is like, you know, serial killers who have like a hatred towards women per se. Like a lot mm-hmm. of them, it seems funny to say, but a lot of them like got mommy issues. Mm-hmm. A huge, like, compounded amount of serial killers, male serial killers specifically, Mm. have mommy mommy issues. issues. Mm -hmm. And it just all goes, it's a very similar upbringing, and these people who follow similar paths in life, but then you have people who don't turn into serial killers. Conclusion. (laughs) To all of you shit moms out there, because I be knowing a fucking lot of you. (laughs) I be knowing a fucking lot of you. You better hope your child doesn't become a serial killer. Honestly. Because you could have just created one. Yeah, right? You could have just created one. Because you're a shit mom. <laughs> yeah. It's honestly, I feel like, too, like, with these people, it's like, I forget who I was. I was, um, oh, I was listening to an episode covering the, the Yorkshire Ripper, mm-hmm. and he was another serial killer who violently attacked and murdered women, sex workers, and not just sex workers, some women he attacked for sex workers, some were not, but it's all mm. in the same vein. He just hates women. Mm. Um, he had severe mommy issues, mm-hmm. but his stemmed, like, his mom was not a bad mother. Mm. He was just um, kind of indoctrinated by his father mm. because his father had, there's a mindset that some men have where women are one of two things. They're either, like, the Mother Mary, mm-hmm. or, like, the devil a woman. Mary Magdalene, mm-hmm. which is, like, the perfect, pure, mm-hmm. holy woman whore. versus the whore. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, and that was something he had picked up from his father and his father's feelings towards women. Mm-hmm. And then there was, like, a point where um, his mother had been having an affair mm-hmm. and the father, like, took the fucking kids mm-hmm. to go confront his wife at, like, her affair, well, she was going to a hotel to meet her affair partner, and she was, like, you know, dressed up in a cute little outfit and whatever, or he, she had bought something, and he came, and he, like, confronted her, and he was, like, I know you're cheating on me, he, like, called her a whore, and he, like, threw, like, the lingerie, and just fucking embarrassed the shit out of him, and up until this point, the Yorkshire Ripper, he had had a very good relationship with his mother, Mm. but it was the actions of his father that made him have that mommy issues. made him have those issues and then take that, you know, because dis- mm. at this point he's saying, he's like, my mom is perfect, she's perfect, mm. she was that Mother Mary to him, mm. and then he finds out, like, whatever fucking messy shit is going on in your relationship, mm. I'm talking to you and the people, don't uh, bring uh, your fucking, not like just, I'm projecting this to everybody, that yeah. wasn't a call out. Um, <laughs> I just mean this message is not just, you know, being Mm. spoken to you, it's being spoken Mm. to everybody. No matter what issue you're having with your fucking baby dad, your baby mom, don't bring your kids around the messy shit because it fucks them up. Leave the kids at home. Leave the kids out of it. But basically, like I was talking about... Clearly, it fucks them up. Yeah, clearly it created a serial killer. Mm. Um, Yeah, so he pictured his mom as like the perfect Mm. pure woman Mm -hmm. and then suddenly she's the whore Mm -hmm. because she's having an affair. talking about a completely different serial killer we are i was talking about the yorkshire river i know <laughs> but like we but because we're getting into that, episode we talked about <laughs> this whole episode's a fucking mess
yes, I'm so sorry. But we were talking about mommy issues. Yes. So I feel like we had to give a context that sometimes, mm-hmm. like, mommy issues aren't because you had a bad mother. Mm-hmm. It's because whatever sort of upbringing you, you had or whatever mm-hmm. event happened in your life, it somehow skewed your perception of what a woman, a mother, quote-unquote, is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So... Anyways. <laughs> Anyways, mommy issues can really fuck you up. Yeah, yeah. TLDR, mm-hmm. mommy issues can fuck you up. <laughs> so, back to Paul Michael Stefani. So, he had made his way to St. Paul, Minnesota in the mid-1960s, where he worked various jobs as a shipping clerk, as a janitor. Um, he was also employed at the Malberg Manufacturing Company before he was fired in 1977. And if you remember, this is where the attack on Karen Potak had taken place. Stefani was married, and he did have a child with his wife, though he had abandoned them somewhere before these events that happened in the 1980s. Great, at least the kid didn't have to Right, at least the kid that. didn't get fucked up by this guy. So Stefani had also been arrested before in the 70s for aggravated assault, and it was this record that put him on police's radar after the murder of Barbara Simons. Nice. Um, with this information, Stefani becomes suspect numero uno. He is prime suspect. Numero uno. So, yeah, they've got his violent record. They've got the positive ID of him from the um, staff at the bar. So they're like, pretty sure this is our dude. Pretty sure this is our dude. So they, police begin around-the-clock surveillance on Stefani's apartment. On August 21st, 1982, they observe Stefani leave his apartment and get in his car. So police tailed him where they followed him into Minneapolis, but... They fucked up and they lost him somewhere along the way. Hours later, a 911 call would come in from a man reporting a brutal attack on another woman. So this woman was 19-year-old sex worker Denise Williams. Hmm. Um, Stefani had picked her up and, you know, they made a deal, agreed on on what they were going to do, prices, services. um, And then he, you know, was like, I know a spot, I'll take you there. So as they're driving, Denise, she's she's very with it. Like she's from the city, she kind of knows, she knows she's her whereabouts. Worker. Exactly. She's a sex worker. She understands how to keep herself safe and how to figure out when things are getting a little sus. Right. So she begins to sense that something is wrong when Stefani begins driving through a dark suburban area rather than returning her back to the city where he had originally picked her up. Mm-hmm. Um Stefani then drove his car onto a dead-end road, parked it, and pulled out a screwdriver. Mm-hmm. He then proceeded to use this screwdriver to attack and brutally stab Denise. During the attack, Denise had managed to feel around, like, on the floor of the vehicle, and she was able to grab um, a glass Coke bottle that was on the floor, and she smashes it over his head. Yeah, bitch. She bonks him real good with it. So it breaks over his face, and it causes some pretty significant cuts, like his face, his scalp, his cheek. Um, after, like, she hits him and she's basically able to, like, grab the, uh, car door door. and she opens and she kind of falls out of the car. Mm -hmm. Um, after which Stefani follows her out and he climbs on top of her where he continues to stab her. By the time the attack was over, he had stabbed her between 13 and 15 times. Mm -hmm. I say between because some sources say 13, other sources say 15. So somewhere in the realm of 13 Mm -hmm. to 15 times, the fucking screwdriver. Ugh. So, Denise's screams, they drew the attention of a nearby passerby who, upon getting close to the scene, seeing Stefani on top of her and attempting to stab her again, this passerby does, thankfully, decide to intervene. Mm -hmm. 
So he like runs up and he starts to wrestle with Stefani, A, to try to get him off Denise right. and B, to try to get the fucking screwdriver out of his mm-hmm. hand. And this spooks Stefani enough that he like grabs a screwdriver, he hops in his car and he flees the scene. Mm-hmm. So um, Denise is rescuer. He calls the police and he calls the ambulance. That's who the 911 call came mm-hmm. from. Um, first responders arrived. Denise was able to be taken to the hospital where thankfully she survived her attack. And she was able to give a description of Stefani to the police, Fuck yeah. as well as a thorough description of his vehicle and of the attack itself. Fuck yeah. Fuck bitch. yeah, Denise. Bad bitch energy. Fuck yeah. And Fuck. he got stabbed 15 times. I know, with the screwdriver. Oh, that's... That's just like what we talked about earlier. There's just mm-hmm. something just yeah. even more brutal about stabbing somebody with a screwdriver. Something you're not supposed to... It's yeah. It's not a stabby right. thing. Using something that's not meant for stabbing to stab people. Just an extra <laughs> layer of like, what the fuck? To. It's not meant for stabbing. Why are you stabbing people with it? Don't stab people in general. But Knives like, <laughs> are stabby things. Knives are stabby things. Why are you using a screwdriver? Mm-hmm. <laughs> So shortly after Denise's attack was reported, another call came in to police. This time it was a man who was requesting an, abu- an ambulance, an ambulance, an ambulam, an ambulam, a wambulam. <laughs> he literally, he's calling the fucking wambulam. He's calling, <laughs> he's calling the wambulam. So yeah. <laughs> the wambulam, bling, 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 bling. <laughs> It's David Parker Ray in the background. It's like, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? Scorpion? Scorpions. Oh my god. Okay. So he calls an ambulance to come out to Westminster to the address of Paul Michael Stefani's apartment. The surveillance team, they had gone back since they had lost Stefani. They'd went back to the apartment. Who called? Um, Stefani calls the ambulance for himself. Oh, okay. So um, the surveillance team now was still sitting outside of the apartment when the ambulance arrived. So they actually contacted their own dispatch and they are like, yo, what's, what's this fucking ambulance doing here? And they were told that Stefani had called for the ambulance just minutes earlier, um, stating that he had been beat up and was bleeding profusely from the arm, face, and head and could not stop the bleeding. Yeah, bitch, because she broke that bottle on your ass. Yeah, literally. She fucked. She whopped you good. Mm-hmm. Um, in the hospital, a photo lineup was presented to Denise, and she was able to pick Stefani's mugshot out as the man who had attacked her. So, Stefani, he was patched up in the ambulance, and then he was taken into custody to be interrogated. Fuck yeah. So, when he was asked about the injuries to his face, um, Stefani originally claimed that he was the victim of an assault and robbery. Stefani appealed, I can't do fucking words today. <laughs> That's right. This, this is already a shit job. So. I know. We're getting close then. We're getting close then. <laughs> Please bear with us. <laughs> So Stefani appeared relatively cool and collected until the interrogating detective, who was Detective Don Brown, he pulled out the case file for the weepy-voiced killer and presented photos of the victims to Stefani. Mm-hmm. So upon seeing these photos, Stefani, like, bursts up out of his seat. He looks at Brown and he says, you're not going to pin those on me. Was the um, sex worker, was Denise wearing red? 
Um, I don't know. I couldn't find that on her on this one. I don't know if she was wearing red, but Karen was, um, Kimberly was, and Barbara were. Mm. Um, couldn't find if Denise was, unfortunately, but I would assume that's kind of his thing, so mm. maybe somewhere on her body she was wearing red. Um, so when he jumps up and he says, you're not going to pin those on me, um, his voice also changes. So earlier he was kind of, yeah, literally, <laughs> earlier in the interrogation, he was, again, talking in like a low, calm, even voice. And the second those pictures come out, it pitches up to that really distinctive, high-pitched tone. And then, <laughs> like, very clearly the same voice that they were hearing on those phone calls. Mm. It was this reaction, plus the positive IDs from the staff at the Hexagon Bar and from Denise Williams, that was enough for Paul Michael Stefani to be arrested and charged with the murders of Kimberly Compton and Barbara Simons, as well as the attacks on Karen Potak and Denise Williams. Um, though authorities were confident that Stefani was the assailant in all four of the attacks, they ultimately decided that they didn't have enough evidence to link Stefani to the beating of Karen Potak nor to Kimberly Compton's murder. Um, So they decided that they were going to prosecute only for the murder of Barbara Simons and the attack on Denise Williams because those were the ones that they could, they had IDs that Mm -hmm. he was the last one they saw with Barbara Simons Mm -hmm. and he was, you know, could be ID'd by Denise Williams directly. And the person who... Right, yeah, that nice passerby Mm -hmm. that actually, you know, stopped and intervened and did something. Mm -hmm. So detectives and profilers began to look into Stefani's background as preparation for the trial. They were looking for any clues to point as to why Stefani had become such a violent killer. This led them to discover Stefani's Catholic faith, which also led police to believe that maybe using that faith, they could convince him to confess Mm -hmm. to his crimes. Because, you know, again, on those phone calls, his biggest thing, he's like, I'm not going to get into heaven. Da, 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 da. So they can tell, like, in, in some way, shape, or form, that is important to him. Mm-hmm. They also discovered that <laughs> Stefani had had a past girlfriend who'd broken up with him after she had to return to her home country of Syria for an arranged marriage. Um, they believed that this also contributed to Stefani's hatred of women in general because he felt like she had betrayed him. They theorized that when he was attacking his victims, he was picturing this woman who had Mm. broken his heart. Mm -hmm. So Stefani's trial for the attack on Denise Williams and the murder of Barbara Simons began on February 28th, 1984 in Minneapolis. The prosecution hinged on Stefani's unique calling card, those phone calls he'd made to police confessing his crimes. The prosecution even attempted to have a voice analysis expert testify to connect the voices in the tape to Paul Stefani, but the judge ultimately did not allow for this testimony to be heard. So prosecutors decided they were going to bring in the next best thing. So they bring in Stefani's own sister, who, upon hearing the recordings on the stand, broke down in tears as she positively identified the voice as belonging to her brother. They also brought in (laughs) Stefani's ex-wife, as well as a woman who Stefani had lived with in the past, and they were also asked to testify. They, too, identified the voice on the tapes as Stefani's. Ultimately, Stefani was found guilty of the attack on Denise and the murder of Barbara. He was sentenced to 18 years for Denise's attack and an additional 40 years for Barbara's murder. So, snaps for that. Snaps for that. Snaps for that. 
So now we're going to fast forward a little bit to 1997. So this is more than a decade after his conviction. Stefani himself actually reaches out to law enforcement and he tells them that he's got some additional confessions to make. Great. So two detectives went to see Stefani in prison and he requested for them to go out to the cemetery where his mother was buried and take a photo of her headstone. If they did this for him, he would tell them everything that they wish to know about his crimes. So the police go back to their like lead detective. They're like, should we do it? He's like, fuck yeah, you should do it. It's a picture. So, right. So so the police go out and take the photo because Mm -hmm. this like, we talk about though, again, bringing it back to like mommy issues. He's like, I want to see my mommy. Yeah. Right. Like he, in, in the end, like the one thing he asked for is like, the one thing that was going to hinge on his confession is, like, to just take a picture of my mom's headstone for me. Because I, I don't know if she died before he was in prison. She might have passed away mm-hmm. when he was in prison. Mm-hmm. So this was the only way for him to see her gravesite. Mm-hmm. So the police go and they take the photos that he asked. Um, and when they showed them to him, he starts to confess everything. Well, bless, bless you, you, sir. I don't know if y'all caught that on the audio, but Carter just had a heckin' sneeze. Sure did. He's looking at me. He's like, mommy. <laughs> I sneezed. I sneezed. <laughs> he sneezed. <laughs> so, as I was saying, they take the photos to Stefani, and he spills the fucking beans. He confessed to the assault of Karen Potak and the murder of Kimberly Compton. He also confessed to another murder that he hadn't even been on the police's radar for. He said, another one. Another one. So, I feel like um, that's usually what happens. Yeah, honestly. Killers. They're, they're like, like, oh, yeah, and, and this one. Yeah, he's like, you never even, you know, asked me about this one. I did it, though. <laughs> Just so you know. I don't... So, he told police that he had drowned a woman in the bathtub of her own home, though he couldn't recall anything about her. He didn't even remember what her name was. Wow. He was just doing it to me. Yeah, good. literally. Like, what a fucking asshole. <laughs> I... I murdered a woman, but I couldn't even tell you her name or anything about her. Oh, no. I just did it. How fucking inconsequential is she, the fact that you took somebody's life, and you're like, "Ah, I can't remember anything about it, though. You're a fucking asshole. You're a fucking asshole. Dick bag. Dick bag. Bag of dicks. Um, From here, please do begin to look into Stefani's confession, because at this point, they're like, is it bullshit or is it the truth? Mm. Um, So they... What they decide to do is to look through the coroner's records to see if they could find anything that matched the type of death that Stefani was describing in the time frame that he mentioned. And what they came up with was a match to the 1982 murder of Kathleen Greening. So Kathleen was murdered inside of her own home in Roseville. Kathleen was a 33-year-old school teacher whose cause of death up until that point had been listed as undetermined. Though Kathleen's husband had been the only suspect at the time. Stefani, however, did have details regarding Kathleen's death that only her killer would have known. He had specifics about her apartment. He mentioned putting her purse in her mailbox, and which was the same thing that he had done in the Barbara Simons murder. Remember, he put it in the mailbox, the, the uh, Greyhound bus mm-hmm. station. Mm-hmm. They also found Kathleen's old address book, which had Stefani's address in it. Um, It still remains unknown as to why Stefani did not call in Kathleen's murder like he had with his other victims. He really didn't have anything to say about that. Um, Stefani, he would also give multiple interviews while he was in prison. 
He never actually gave a clear reason as to why he murdered and attacked his victims, though he did suggest that he heard voices urging him to do so. It's always the fucking voices. Everybody uh, always hears voices. Accountability. Literally. They will not take any... It's always... A good voice told me to do it. Yeah, he claimed that he would sit in his Dude, car... it's your own voice. <laughs> so you're fucking... It's you telling That's yourself you. to do it. In your brain. Yeah. So he said that he would sit in his car in dark alleyways <laughs> and the voices in his head would say, quote, Paul, it's time to kill. Like, bruh. Are you, are you fucking kidding? Be fucking for real. Be fucking for real. BFFR. BFFR. Be fucking for real. He described how he thought of his murder of Kathleen Greening as some sort of game. And he questioned himself on how he could have picked up Kimberly Compton at the bus station and then be stabbing her to death 15 minutes later. He alluded often to his Catholic faith and had even gone straight to church to confess after one of the murders. One asked why he was suddenly confessing to his crimes after so many years, Stefani revealed that he'd been diagnosed with terminal skin cancer. Mm. He wanted to apologize to the victims and come up clean before he died. Again, going back to that Catholic faith, mm. he needs to confess his sins, his sins he if he wants a shot at getting into heaven. Mm. So that theory that police had way back in the 80s about whether they could get him to confess ultimately was mm. right. It just mm. took over a decade to get him to do it. Mm -hmm. So a year later, on June 12th, 1998, Paul Michael Stefani died while in the infirmary of the Oak Park, Oak Park Heights Maximum Security Prison. Good. And Good that riddance. is the case of the weepy-voiced killer. Fucking little fucking bitch. Fucking weirdo. Literally. A fucking weirdo. Fucking weird. <gasps> You're weird. <laughs> You're weird. Be fucking for real. Uh, be fucking for real. No, seriously, like, he was such a fucking weirdo. Like, the fact that, you know, he was just, like, sitting there. He was probably, you know, he was like, and the second he was done, straight-faced. No longer crying. <laughs> like, you're crazy. Bro, come the fuck on, my guy. Except you're not my guy, because you fucking suck. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this dude was such a fucking bitch. Like, you're really gonna go, I didn't mean to do it. I'm gonna kill myself. Like, bro, if you're gonna call police and confess your crimes, like, at least don't be a bitch about it. Literally. You're gonna cry? Seriously. <laughs> you're gonna fucking cry? You're gonna, gonna cry? fucking cry? You just stab these people with an ice pick. Seriously, an ice pick and a screwdriver over... Over like and you're gonna times. cry? And you're gonna fucking you're cry? Gonna, you're you. gonna have the audacity to fucking cry? You? Bitch, I think the fuck not. Be fucking for real. Be fucking for real. Like, what a fucking baby ass man. What a fucking baby ass man. Little bitch. It's a waste of space. Honestly. Going back to what we were saying earlier. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna kill myself. You should have done it. No. You should have done Maybe it. we should leave but that honestly, alone before somebody sniffles that. <laughs> I know, does it again? <laughs> <laughs> Don't take that out of context. <laughs> Don't you do it. At least being through your teeth at the microphone. <laughs> Don't, Don't you take that out of context. <laughs> Don't you do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm serious. 
So I was just going to say something and I totally forgot what I was going to say. Shit. Uh, and it was funny too. It was going to be a joke and I forgot well, my joke. we were laughing about something else. Oh, God damn it. A little jokey joke. <laughs> a little jokey joke. A little something, something sprinkled in. Wow, I'm really mad that I can't remember what I was going to say. It was funny. I know in my head it would have been a real good joke. No, we are really a bunch of fucking comedians. <laughs> Honestly, like we're funny as fuck. I don't know why more people don't like us. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you guys like us, you should give us five stars. <laughs> follow us on Instagram. You should follow us on Instagram. Great segue. Great segue. <laughs> yeah, you should follow us on Instagram at TSRH Podcast. You can also follow us on Facebook. Same name, TSRH Podcast. If you really, really like us, you can buy some of our merch. There That's is a... Where- Tuck my hair. It took my hair. The Debbie Ryan tuck the hair behind the ear. Um, yeah, that link is um, on the link tree that is linked in our Instagram. How many times can I say link? Um, linky, 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 linky. This is the way I'm playing my mouth. Link my mouth. That should be our next merch. Is a picture of a banjo just wham, blam, bam. Wham balam <laughs> I'm doing it. I'm doing yes, it. Please do God. It. I want and one. I'm gonna buy one for myself. I want one. <laughs> oh my god. Anyways, if you're listening at this point, fucking thank you. Literally, because this episode this has episode been all over mess. the fucking place. <laughs> <laughs> but we always thank you guys for listening. We thank you for, you know following us on instagram for those of you who if you left, don't um please do please go do it we post pictures because like you for follow each case you follow the podcast why not follow, follow the instagram. instagram exactly um yeah we post pictures relevant to every case on there it's you know the place where honestly like i say we but it's me <laughs> psa i do not have any autumn social has media no social, if you go on the instagram you'll see that my personal is linked and autumn's personal was linked but it doesn't exist anymore yep that has <laughs> since been Delete it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if honestly, if you have like case suggestions, or if we just want to chat, the DMs on the Instagram are open. You can also send us an email at tsrhpodcast at gmail.com. Do you have something to say? We still have to do that one case. Yes, it's on my list. It's okay. on my list. Um, I'm just kind of beep bopping around on the cases I choose like, to do. Doo-doo-doo. Literally, I'm Close just. My eyes and uh, that's kind of how it is. I'm just like, because mm, some things I'm like, all right, we did a really heavy <laughs> one. So, I mean, all fucking murder cases are heavy in their own way. Yeah, but I'm like, we just did a shit eater. So, <laughs> let me not um let me not do anything too cray cray wild. So, I thought this was a uh not really a palate cleanser, but a nice shift in direction away from shit eating outfit. Yeah. So, maybe next episode we'll get a little bit more, you know, cray cray with it in depth with, you know, another another wild one. Um, Who knows? Maybe there's another shit eater. No, there's not. I can tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) I guarantee you there's not another shit eater on this And I am yucking your yum. (laughs) I'm yucking your yum. Oh, my God. What a fucking disaster. We got to wrap this up. Yeah. Anyways, thank you guys so much for listening. Autumn, do you have anything else to say to the people? (laughs) (laughs) Not a motherfucking thing. Not a motherfucking thing. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you on the next one. Uh, Bye. Bye!